0: Welcome, everybody. Way of the Blade, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Schneider, author of Way of the Blade: Hundred of the Greatest Bloody Matches in Wrestling History, and uh, writer for the Saguna Kaida blog. And I am uh, very happy to be joined by a very old friend of mine. Not that he's very old, but we've been friends for a very long time. As uh, journalist, he had a, a cup of coffee at, uh, working at NXT, and he's been a wrestling uh, fan and writer. Uh, and appreciator of pro wrestling for many many years Uh, I'm here with my friend Rob Naylor, how you doing Rob?
1: Hey, what's up, Phil? I remember I first met you at Best of the Best, one of all things. So that goes all the way back to 2001. That's,
0: That's right. I was thinking about when I was setting this up. I was like, I think, what do we, it was like, a, it was a, there was a Briscoe versus Briscoe, right? When they were both like 15 yeah, years you, old.
1: You went, you went to see like Minoru Tanaka and Hubi, and like Hubi showed up late. And like, I of course went to see like Red and the SATs <laughs> and Big Mondo and those guys. So we all just a happy, fun bunch, and yeah, we were all just stunned when uh, Jay and Mark Briscoe, who I don't even think either were out of high school yet, now they have, like, great beards and, like, six kids and stuff, but, like, it's just crazy at the time they were, like, high school kids and they had, like, this crazy, ridiculous... Match so yeah
0: was the winger on that show too I want to say the winger was on that show it's been a long time since I thought about it. you know what you're one hundred percent right <laughs> yeah no, it
1: was on that show maybe Minoru Tanaka wasn't on or Minoru Fujita wasn't on it it might have been the winger so again it, it is a long time ago but uh winger was on and winger went all the way to the finals wrestling Trent Acid so that's right
0: <laughs> See, those are, those were that was a fun that was a fun period that early two thousands uh northeast indie wrestling was a real like wrestling highlight where you just go to any show and they would you'd have like all these you know guys in their early 20s who were all super talented all trying to make names for themselves and you know like the briscoes and loki and homicide and xavier and red and all those all those guys were just great and you would be almost guaranteed no matter what random show you'd go to you'd see something like worth watching in a way yeah, that- and
1: I remember recently I love the new uh, Conrad Jeff Jarrett podcast and they brought up the Indies at the time and like how he would watch Jersey All Pro, but then at some point he's like, Well the Indies in two thousand two were just dreadful. I'm like, No, they weren't they were really good. <laughs> but uh yeah, I thought that the indies all kind of changed to be really fun and, and good in like two thousand one through like two thousand three because there's just so much going on everywhere. I mean, you you don't have to tell you. I don't have to tell you this. Like, just between New York having like three different promotions at one point, you know, Jersey All Pro, the West Coast had Rev Pro, and you had APW, you know, still hanging in there, and Epic War, XPW even had random nutty things every now and then, and Wild Side Down South. You know, it goes on and on. But it, it was really fun. Like, there was so much fun stuff to track down on the Indies in two thousand one and two. And I imagine there are people who. I mean, I think.
0: A little bit of this. This is has nothing to do with what we're going to actually be talking about on this podcast. But that's all right. This is part of uh, yeah. the fun of this. Uh, I think part of that is we were in like, uh, you know, we were younger, man. We were in our like twenties, and uh, you know, and I think much like the music of your twenties is the music that you kind of gravitate towards when you get older maybe the indie wrestling of our 20s was the thing that we look back at the same way I would absolutely you know, it's like oh man, I really love the strokes and TV on the radio too it's just like that era <laughs> has got a certain level of uh and maybe the, you know so maybe the kids now are looking back at you know looking at indies now in the same way we were looking at indies back then and yeah, and,
1: and I still can't tell the hives from the vines, but that's either here or there. Yeah,
0: I can't imagine anybody who was who was really into the indies of the late who was in their twenties in like 1996. Do you think there's people who are like nostalgically looking back at Q Carmichael matches and uh, and uh, and. <laughs> And like really excited about Axel Rotten. Like there was a period where it seemed pretty bad. I'm wondering if that was there. Is people who were you know four years old than us who look at that like the glory days? Like
1: oh, Mark the Shark Schrader. They don't make yeah, them. Like yeah. they, they don't make like they used to. Seeking out those seeking out those tapes of the Japanese pool boy. Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe we're not talking about this at all though, because we are no. talking
0: about uh, in this uh, match. We're talking about Terry Gordy. Versus Killer Khan from World Class. And one of the more uh, violent matches in my book, which is all about violent matches. So, you know, when you're getting it, this is one of those ones, uh, you know, in the book, the idea is that if you get blood, it counts. So I've got some matches in here that aren't particularly gory. They got a little bit of a bloody mouth, a little bit of a bloody nose. There's other things I want to talk about in this match. Uh this match Gordy versus Khan, it's a Texas death match it's from November 22nd 1984 world-class wrestling this is one of the ones that's up there for the amount of blood being spilled there this the ring in this looks like uh, a uh, cherry kool-aid shower Somebody, <laughs> like you know it, it looks like it looks like an explosion in a ketchup factory by the end of this match I mean, just really really gross and obviously just you know, a pair of Big, ass-kicking dudes kicking some ass, which is the kind of wrestling that me and you both love.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I remember, God, like, first of all, this is the type of match when you're a kid and you turn on ESPN, like, your parents turn that shit off when they see a song. (laughs) It's like, oh, my God, what is it? Like, this, and, and honestly, a little bit of blood has enhanced many a match in my viewing in all of my 42 years. But what I will say is this match is so juicy, so gory, so out of control, and I love it. And I literally was telling our good friend uh, Will the other day that I remember the first time I knew what a comp tape was when I put a bunch – a guy named George Mayfield had this service where you could pick out of like 300 matches and put them all on a tape. And this was a match. I put like Liger – I put like – Jinsei Shinzaki against Great Sasuke I put like Liger Benoit I had like Steiners and Kensuke or Kensuke and Liger against the Steiners Sabu Funk of course and then of course I had to get Killer Khan and uh and Terry Gordy because Gordy's always been my favorite anyway and it certainly lived up to potential because I didn't see it until I got this comp tape back in like 1994 I'd say and uh it certainly lived up to uh, lofty expectations and uh just a complete bloodbath and upon watching it again for this discussion simple it, it's the it's the beauty of the simplicity of pro wrestling and that's exactly what this was simple basic as it gets but as primal and brutal and violent as it gets as well and the fans were with it the whole way just awesome match
0: yeah it really is great i've tried i you know the esp the world class uh, championship wrestling um Classics on ESPN were something that I was I would watch pretty religiously as a kid. In a way that really world class was my territory, even though the stuff I was watching was three years old or four years old at that point. Uh, But you know, because we didn't, I grew up in California, and there you know there wasn't there wasn't like a territory territorial wrestling in California. And I started wrestling and watching wrestling in the you know mid '80s, and at that point, California didn't have a promotion. And so World Class was the my alternative, right? I didn't have Memphis. I didn't have uh, Continental or any of those things. Or I would get to watch World Class in the ESPN. I'd get to watch it, you know. Like I said, it was classic, so you know, by the time I was watching it, this was all stuff old. So I'm guessing, I feel like I watched this match back then.
1: Uh, like this guy was in ESPN match. I love that you're saying match. this, though, Phil. I love that you're saying this because it's bringing sanity to my own brain because... It's true. It, they In eighty five, eighty six, probably more 86, they started airing World Class from 1982 on ESPN after school, like at 4 o'clock. And AWA came on Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock, because I remember seeing that when it first came on with the Long Riders and the Road Warriors. But every day after school, you tune in to World Class, Legends of World Class, they have that famous music. And uh, I didn't even realize it was Legends of World Class like or or World Class Classic, you know what I mean? But it it was the old shows repackaged or just the original shows put on at that time. And then one day you'd get, like, Blackjack Mulligan in a big match against, you know, Bruiser Brody from 86 live, you know, like current. But you're right. They would air the old stuff. And that was fucking awesome because you'd get to watch and relive wrestling that you hadn't seen, you weren't around for. And it was episodic, and you'd catch it every day, and it was the best. And I'm glad you mentioned that, because they would air the old stuff.
0: And, you know, this is a period where, you you know, for the most part, uh, you rarely ever had anything but jobber matches on WWF TV, right? Outside of, you know, occasionally you'd have honky-tonk steamboat. For the most part, everything was just squash matches. And Mm -hmm. WCW, you know, or, or NWA at that point, they'd have more... Big matches, but still mostly squash matches. Obviously, that eight mid 80s WCW or uh, NWA TV is like the greatest thing ever because it would be like a Ric Flair promo, a Dusty Rhodes promo, an Art Anderson promo. <laughs> like, you know, just be, like all of the greatest talkers in wrestling history talking shit and then having really cool angles about it. But you didn't have long matches where world class would have like, you know, 15, 17 minute you know, arena matches on their shows. It would be a real opportunity to watch longer wrestling matches outside of something like a pay-per-view or uh, Saturday Night's Main Event. So that was the other thing about uh, the world-class stuff is you'd see the big matches, carry, you know, Flair and this and and, uh, all of, you know, uh, Freebirds Von Eriks. They would all be on their TV in a way that you just, when you watched them, it would just be, you know, Don Morocco pile-drives a jobber, and Coco Beware pile-drives you know, <laughs> is a jobber, and then it's, like, the Hart the Foundation, they beat up a couple jobbers, and then there's the Brother Love show, and, you know, it wasn't like you didn't really ever get to see wrestling matches on TV. You'd have to go to your local shady video store and get the videotapes for that, or somehow convince your parents to spend $50 on a pay-per-view um, to really get, like, big, big long-time wrestling matches. <laughs> and the other thing, I mean, this match was like a, a wrestling magazine classic too. Right? Because you would you know, the the visuals on this were are wrestling eye, wrestling gold, like you know, like cover uh cover story stuff, right? Where you would go to the uh, I'm sure you did this, uh go to like the grocery store with your mom and she'd be picking stuff out and you'd just be at the at the magazine rack uh reading wrestling magazines.
1: There is no more warm and fuzzy feeling in my life than the idea of going to like a little cigar store or Ray and Derek or a Rite Aid at the time and just walking over to that newsstand and having no less than seven, at least 10 or 12 wrestling magazines to page through. And it was just the best I wish people now could understand in a simpler time in 1985 and 1986 and 1987, but 85 and 86 in particular was right when I got into everything and just the array of inside wrestling, the wrestlers, superstar wrestlers, uh, you know, wrestling superstars, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the WWF magazine, and then they had, you know, all the Napolitano magazines, and then a million other ones, and you're right, gore sold. Eventually, in the 80s, gore turned to steroids, and this is what on it. but initially, the blood sold the magazine, so you put the bloodiest shit on the front, you buy it, you love it, it's like, hell yeah. I remember there was a picture of, it was like a Dusty Rhodes profile in one of the first wrestling magazines I got in 1985, late 1985. And it had a picture of Dusty, but then on the other side, it had a little bio. And in that bio, they had a picture of the one-man gang with a chain wrapped around Dusty's head. And Dusty's entire head looked like it fucking exploded, Phil. And I was like, oh my God, that's the scariest <laughs> image I've ever seen. And I remember my mom saw it. She's like, get that shit out of here. She, she didn't dispose of the thing, but she took it away from me. And I've since we got this magazine, it was the one they had the, the Red Menace, because of course we... We had the issues with uh, the Soviet Union in the eighties, apparently. Sure. So at that, but like I just will never forget that image of Dusty's whole entire eye looked like it was blown out <laughs> completely, right. bla- and it was even black and white, but it didn't matter. It was so right. Gorge. Yeah. But yeah, the magazines, man. And you're right. This match was tailor made for wrestling magazines to sell copies because the juice was flowing.
0: Yeah, I said in the, my write up in the book that it looked like Killer Cod had a blood yamaka. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> like- it was, and I, I said to, I talked to Good Helmet about this. I'm like, mother, I'm like, he had motherfucking head, top of the head juice. I go, when have you heard of top of the? That's like blading your ankle. He had top of his head juice. Though. Yeah, it's, it's like, incredible. You never see top of the head juice. So he not only juice coast to coast on the forehead, he juiced the top of his head too. Yeah, it's it surrounded
0: the bald head. It was like he was in a, if, if, <laughs> he was in a, you know, a, a breast. Have gone horribly wrong and he's wearing like, <laughs> the is covered in blood. I mean, both guys. You know, it's like, okay, this is a Texas death match. We are getting it out of here. Khan's oh. one of those guys. I mean Khan is one of those guys who, yeah, I don't know. Like your top five con, you can put your top five con against almost anybody. Like he's one of those guys. I don't know if he's got he doesn't have the depth. I'm an all time great wrestler, but like your top <laughs> five best con matches are as good as anything anybody's ever done. He's like, Wow, yeah, peak one I, of those I, peak guys, like one of those, uh, like a basketball player who had won amazing. He has like li- the Lin sanity of wrestling, where it's like you take his take his best, you know, small
1: period, it's like unbelievable. Yeah, he was great, he did the side slam into the backbreaker the big knee drop off the top which was so vicious and effective. Ah, in this match
0: the knee drop he pits on Gordy Gordy starts like convulsing like yeah. he uh, like he uh Yeah, um,
1: he's got to be top five and we were nerdy so we could do things like this. Top five knee drops off the top of all time. Manny Fernandez is one, Killer Khan is one. Uh you know, the uh, Bobby Eaton, you know, and they, they all are all different in their execution, but like Killer Khan's right there dude. Yeah, the way
0: Khan would lay, I mean, Eaton would take the somersault bump off of it that would look really cool, but Khan would just land his fucking knee in your face and throat. <laughs> Full yeah. He was a big guy, too, probably 280, 300, and yeah. it just drops right on Gordy's like, side of his head, and Gordy starts, you know, like, like, like he uh, uh,
1: was allergic to peanuts and ate a peanut or something. <laughs> like, wow, just... Oh, God, the juice, though, man. And this is another thing where you're talking about Killer con killer con was someone i wasn't really i the first time i saw killer con was not in 1984 because i didn't really start watching until 85 and i think i skipped this match i think the first time i saw killer con was uh late 86 early 87 when he came in with fuji had the green fog he did the knee did the side slam he did that bellow and scream which he does in the gordy match as well and i loved killer con they call it the green fog you know and he had fuji with the demolition face paint on with him and you know, he, he beat Outback Jack clean. And at the time, it's funny you mentioned it on TV, they just had squash matches. But that's when I knew that it was the end of Outback Jack getting a big push because he got pinned clean by Killer Khan's big knee and uh, sets him up for Hogan. And then yeah. Killer Khan's just gone in a, in a heartbeat. I know he doesn't make to the end of the year, but very effective. I remember Killer Khan very well.
0: Yeah, he does his shrieking. If, in, in psychotic glee as he's chewing Gordy's forehead up in this match. It's really evocative. Like, ah! I,
1: I have the note. I said, <laughs> note for Phil's show. Loud, loud chomping. And that's oh, yeah. exactly what happened. We're like, ah, rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, oh my god, it's he, so disgusting. He, he, he sounds
0: blown. like when my dog gets a hold of like leftover
1: chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so the sound he's making on chewing a gun on yeah, uh, except this time it's bloody tearing gordy's forehead, Holy and, shit. and the setup of
0: this was really cool with the idea of uh you know gordy uh bringing the guy who brings Khan in with the idea that Khan was the man who taught him the oriental spike,
2: yeah I you
0: know, <laughs> the setup for that, and it's like uh he's gonna be the tag department he's the guy he's he's a sensei, and then uh Akbar throws some of that OPEC money to him and he turns on uh, the Freebirds and the, you have the thing where the Freebirds are still sort of heels. I don't know if it's fully... they may, may have been more faces at this point where you've got your... But but it really was sort of a heel versus heel Devastation Incorporated or super heels because they're foreigners.
1: Uh, yeah, they redid this with Angel of Death in 1986 too. Yeah, was it wasn't as good with Angel of
2: Death.
0: I don't know. Angel yeah, of course
1: not, but it's, it's this one thing that they do where the birds will bring in another friend and eventually that friend's going to F them over. Yeah. <laughs> it's like time only, and time again. They can only trust each other, the free words. Yeah, and then, and then you know. later
0: Jimmy Garvin. <laughs> he becomes the other guy that they can trust. And I guess yeah. masked
1: Brad Armstrong at some point. Sure, yeah. Which, by the way, you are talking to the foremost fanatic of Bad Street over here. I thought if he would have been Bad Street for the rest of his career, he might have done way better. But that's just neither here nor there. Yeah, Bad Street's great. We're gonna, you
0: know, uh we're we're doing uh Dustin of the Day now for our next book and uh and uh there's one of the Tom's got an amazing write-up of a Bad Street match that I was able to like find on the internet to reprint this book. But yeah he's awesome. I I like the shitty freebirds. I'm like a fan of your crappy, uh, 90s Freebirds. Yeah, Garber I'm not really
1: against it. I, I kind of turn on in 92 onward, but, like, I'm okay with 91 shitty Freebirds. I'm okay with that.
0: It's funny, too, because, like, Michael Hayes is a guy who, God, he was still pretty young when he was completely washed.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, I remember when he fought Luger in 89, he's like, we're the same age here's the difference. I got 13 years experience. You got three. And I'm like, oh my God, he's been wrestling for fucking ever. Yeah.
0: He's like one of those guys who keep that cliff came pretty. I mean, I don't think, I think Michael Hayes is a guy who lived a lifestyle. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but when you see the like, guys now it's like, you know, I don't know what is, The Miz has been virtually the same wrestler for 20 years now <laughs>
1: like, it seems oh, like... yeah, you're right, you're right certain people had, like Barry Windham certain people had such short peaks and so many of these other people look exactly the same for like 15, 20 years now that's really funny, I've never really thought of that yeah, like
0: Dolph Ziggler's career as a, as a guy has got to be like t- three times as long as Michael Hayes is at the top, right? he's, yeah, he's in right. 10 years maybe Uh, Gordy probably, I mean, Gordy had, at what point, Gordy had the stroke in, um, whereas like the early 90s, right? And died when he was 40.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. And he died with the, he died twice. So he's one of those guys. So it's like, it's like, I, the, the, the big incident was, uh, in the fall of 93 or the end of the summer, 93, but there was a prior incident too, where he might've died again. Like it's, it's just nuts. But like, uh, Gordy definitely lived hard and he was always my favorite. And he had that big knee, knee buckle and everything. He <laughs> braced in the eighties and I loved it, but like, he was always my guy. And it was so the very first month I got the observer was the month where Gordy had his incident. And I didn't understand what the hell was going on. I just didn't get it. I didn't compute me why he wasn't the same. You know what I mean? Like, when he came back and did global shows in 94, 95, I was like, oh, well, Gordy's back. Hell yeah, go wrestle Vader. But then, like, you know, it, just, it wasn't the same. But, yeah,
0: but he was hard. ECW, he had, like, that ECW run, and it would, like, uh, work The Undertaker, too,
1: right? Yeah, how crazy is that? Because when I was a kid, I would write, like a, like, a dork, and I could produce these things, like, uh, like in the summer of 1990, I'd be like, oh, I'd like to see Mean Mark Callis against Terry Gordy. That's my dream match, you know. And like I was so – I loved Mean Mark Callis' squash matches and Gordy was always my guy and Vader was another one who I liked early in the game. And then like they finally wrestle each other and, you know, I just – I don't even think I ever watched it. You know, I had no interest. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But That's the thing because Gordy had,
0: you know, probably 12 years, right? As a, as a 12
1: year career. Yeah. I mean, the Freebirds were 79. He and... Yeah, he had a match post stroke, Phil, uh, with Raven that could very well be in your book because it was the last great Gordy match. I do. I remember that match. I remember that yeah. period. Of, uh, and, uh, and they did, didn't even. Didn't
0: they do Gordy? Did they do uh, Miracle Violence Connection and Eliminators, too? They did. That wasn't but... good, though. <laughs> yeah, I, the... I remember I considered. I tried to get Phil, our friend Phil Reppa, who I was we went to college together, and we were mm-hmm. uh, working at like the school newspaper together, and I remember we are trying to figure out a way to get to the ECW arena, for uh, Miracle Violence Connection versus Eliminators. Because I was like, that's going to be incredible. It's just like, right. oops, I guess not.
1: And, and the <laughs> well, Eliminators you're, you're obviously the one, of the,
0: uh, one of the all-time
1: smoke-and-mirrors uh, creation teams ever, right?
0: Sure,
2: sure. That's you- the
1: thing with the Raven match, where even though Raven sold really well and, and put over Gordy stuff, like, you talk about a match that blood enhances, that Raven match completely was taken to the next level by Raven completely gushing blood through it so yeah <laughs> um, but yeah I, re- it, I remember you because you watch those Eliminator squash matches
0: you think they're the greatest team you've ever seen and then you, yeah. go, you watch them if you do anything else but one of those you're like oh okay yeah, I got you now. Oh, in why is it John I Cronus a, a huge store oh, I made okay, a, I
1: it. <laughs> yeah I, I made a list in 97 of all the best cruiserweights in every federation and for some reason I deemed John Cronus one of the best cruiserweights in ECW and Al Snow's another one and like I just look back at my tastes in different years, and it's just kind of humorous. Also, to me. John Cronus like, wasn't a cruiserweight; he was two eighty. He, I know he wasn't a cruiserweight film, <laughs> but like, what who you talking to—the Polish prince over here. I don't know; I thought he might have made <laughs> been one, so like, I put him on a list. I'm in college, by the way, to make this list. But like, I, I he dropped a lot of weight in '97. I don't know, but I remember when Perry came and visited Developmental. I would talk to Perry for hours about like Cronus and that team and. He was basically like a glorified babysitter, you know, and he had to really air traffic control a lot of the matches that they had. But, oh, yoy, Good old Cronus, God bless him.
0: <laughs> all right. Morning till I join you, John Cronus. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, so, back to this match. This is the, Yes. This, uh, back to this is one of the things I say a lot of these podcasts because we go off on amazing tangents about all kinds of crazy shit, which is part of the fun of these. Um, yeah. So this was, uh, you had Carrie as special referee here. And uh, without a shirt on and a very sort of, you know, totally overshadow the two guys in the ring kind of thing that he was doing. Like, put a sh- put a ref shirt on, Carrie. You don't need to be walking around with all your, your your muscles glistening so the girls can look at you instead of the match of the thing. Um,
1: well, there's a moment at the start where Khan bites Gordy and you hear the biggest pop of the fucking match. And it's when Terry take, or Kerry takes his freaking shirt off. And yeah. I, I couldn't figure it out because he didn't show it. But you hear Kong go, ah, and you hear, ah, and I'm like, all oh, these fans are really invested. No, Kerry just took his shirt off at the beginning of the match. And it was really funny. I was like, god damn.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and the idea here is that Kerry is going to be an impartial referee because he hates both the Freebirds and Devastation Incorporated. Um, and then, of course, this leads to the Big the angle at the end of this match with like the handshake, which just seemed like a huge raise,
1: like of the where you where they uh, where he calls them back. Uh, I'll take it one further. It's one of my favorite moments in wrestling history. I like that more than the match, and I love the match. Like that moment with a, 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 a somber but bloody Gordy, and they don't even catch him putting his hand out on camera, but it almost adds to it for me. He just sticks the hands out. The fans scream. You know he put his hand out. He's bloody as hell. It's like he went through war because he really, he really did. And the first ever freebird von Eric handshake after their war. Like, come on, that's that's so valuable to me. It's just like it'd be like if Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer had an angle in '86 and shook hands. It was just, it was so huge to me. And I remember I made a video about old school wrestling, like, I don't know, hell, like 18 years ago I made this video. That was one of the images I used in the video, That special handshakes. I had Flair shaking Steve Boat's hand, and then I I cut to this, because it's a wonderful, memorable moment. And uh, yeah, it really capped it all off. And Carrie as the ref is such an awesome component to what they're doing here, because, you know, the birds are bad, devastation is completely Satan, like, they're Satan to these people. But, like, you know, at the end, the slow burn, the kind of a turn for the birds there at the end of 85 or, you know, the beginning of 85. So it was cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, they did have it, right? They did. Buzz Sawyer and Rich did team post feud. There's a Buzz Sawyer, there's an Omni show where they wrestle the Road Warriors. Are you serious? Yeah. The Thanksgiving gay tag team tournament. This is
1: why my 84 An eighty-three. It's such a blind spot for me, like for a lot of that stuff. But there you go. I stand corrected. So they did do that. All right. I'm good. I think
0: this is you want to talk about. Here's something that will drive you nuts. This is why it's it's It irritates me that you don't work in the WWE anymore. That was they parts of that show that was main evented by Rich and Sawyer against the Road Warriors were on the network. They showed a couple of the matches that was Savage in them. the Magnum TA Savage team. So those matches, so this is clearly a a show that exists with that main event. It's in a vault somewhere. And and even
1: when I did Uh, work there, I remember I asked them for a best of Adrian Adonis to give to somebody and they sent me three Adrian Adonis matches and one of them was the Uncle Elmer WrestleMania 2 match. And I'm like, I'm fucking (laughs) done. I'm like, "I, I I don't even care. Like if you're not gonna have people that know and can research and call the proper stuff to send down development, that's why I just I leaned on Will and Will's comps basically, literally until Scott Dawson took them because he recently texted me that's where they are. Like he when they moved to Orlando, he just took all the Will's comps and I am like they're in a good fucking place because so you're you're gonna watch them, you know what I mean? But like, uh, you know the the footage and, and learning and watching and tape study, like now it's easier than ever because they have everything. But I do wonder how much they actually have access to the the new place. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, I
0: think they've got all the omnis. I, I, that's the what you, you suspect from the stuff they were putting out when they were putting it out for a while. It Feels like they probably just have every omni show, yeah, just in sitting somewhere. They they definitely have Buzz. They definitely have Tommy Rich buzz. versus the Road Warriors teaming up, uh, and 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 also I guess the next looking at cage match now the next month. Uh, they had Brett, Buzz, uh, and Mr. R, who I think was the Tommy yeah, Rich, under it was. doing the uh, against the Road Warriors and Allering. They ran two shows, they, they that that six man happened twice, and then they had a match in 1990 on uh, World Championship Wrestling. Is that something you remember seeing? do do you remember a Buzz Sawyer Rich? uh T V batch
1: match in ninety that goes eight. Minutes? I do, and it sucks. And that's what I did remember. <laughs> I, I just don't okay. remember the team, so that's really interesting. But I do remember when Brett Wayne Sawyer and Buzz turned good, so it does make sense. It would just be right before I got into watching wrestling, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Um the uh the obviously last battle of Atlantis in the book as well and I write about about those guys and how much I love that uh feud and how cool it was that thing showed up out of nowhere after being this legend for so long,
1: yeah. Because um, that was one that was um, believed to be not taped or gone. So yeah, that—that's that, the thing right. about the network and and them having everything. I'm glad at least someone has it. That eventually, you could see the light of day. I watched the 1975 Madison Square Garden House Show the other day. So like, <laughs> I'm easy to appease. Like, I'm not going to be too picky on on any of it as long as it's in pristine quality. I'll try to watch it. Like this match we watched, I watched their version of it, and just the The pristine quality of the juice was just unbelievable. It really, the reds, the reds. There
0: are some really, really vibrant reds in this match. I mean, it really looks.
1: uh, I mean, almost shiny. The blood. Yeah, it's like it's like like Suspiria. Like the blood is just so cartoonish (laughs) and like so bright red. You're like, damn, man. All right, it's good. It's got kind of. I
0: don't think this match has a great ending. Outside of the handshake, right? Like, the
1: run-in is a little, you know. The, the, yeah, the missing Link hitting himself with the chair was so funny. Because I, I love the Link and all of his uh, his imperfections. But uh, the Link comes in and he hits himself with the chair. And it's a whole thing. But even they could have just let Gordy win without carries being like, I, I, you're the winner, you know. It's, it's a little weird. <laughs> but uh, I did like the pacing of it, you know. The first wall with the knee then you hit the big pile driver, and the pile driver was cool, because he kind of popped out at the last minute, but sometimes I think they look even gnarlier, so that was a cool deal, and then ultimately you know, hitting the uh, Oriental Tool or Oriental Spike on Khan, it was just poetic justice, and...
0: Right, which is obviously the whole the whole thing this uh, feud was built on in a lot yeah, of ways, right, I- was that Orient was the Battle of the Oriental Spikes. Yeah. I love the Ori- I Oriental Spike fan, I think that's a great finish, somebody really should bring back the oriental spike i know necro would, would was using the
1: oriental spike for a while in the 2000s well i pitched it to bray because you know how he, he he would hold i said you're a messianic character and you, you have contrition for what you do so i said dude call the act of contrition Hit the guy with the Oriental spike, but then hold him before you just, and drape him down the mat in a crumpled heap. And as he's twitching, you know, and he was all in, but then they like, oh, we want something with a bigger snap. So then he, he did the, the movie does. But like, I love the Oriental tool. I love the Oriental spike. I love it when you hit it and they fall. I love it when you hit it and you stick with it and it's like a submission. uh, Cool move. And it got put over like death in world class. Like, it, I remember cr- almost crying when adias allegedly hit mike or kevin with it and like he laid on the ground it was allegedly purple and alma drills making fun of them and it was just like that wasn't even peak world class and i took it that seriously so like they protected the oriental spike and the oriental tool later as like this heavy thing you know and and i thought for the ending of this match to be that maneuver why not you know so i, I was all with it and and uh, I, I think it, I think part
0: of the reason that it was such a uh, put over thing in uh, in world class, obviously, is because the it's got some similarities to the Claw, which obviously was this huge enormous deal in world class, coming with the von Erics and the Fritz's Claw, and then them all inheriting the Claw. And so I think you know there was so, uh, it was uh, you know a sort of a. a sister hold to the claw and because the claw was such an enormous put over thing. This was kind of a variation of that. It is. In a way that you didn't see moves like that be as big a deal in other places. Yeah, and
1: it's just so simple and effective. And it's like, it's like the old Zeus. (laughs) Now, I hated Zeus at the time, but when Zeus did the head turn thing, like Zeus never even had wimpy matches. So like he wasn't in squashes. He just would show up and take Hulk Hogan's head and go, and like wrench it. Like, Holden always sold it like it was dead. So it was this lame-looking mm-hmm. thing, but I bought into it because it's like, eh, it's... Hey, man, I'm looking... It's, what... a, big, it's, a, it's a big-ass guy.
0: Yeah. twist your neck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, it's kind of lame, but otherwise, it's kind of, I don't know, a
1: fucking tiny Lister grabbed my head and twisted it? That shit would hurt yeah, like exactly. That. They should have given it to Jeep Swenson, but that's a different story for another day. But uh, I just... Uh, I, I watched this match. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And... It's just like I question you now, Phil, because there's a match that I always attribute to being very close to this one. OK, because Gordy's big ricocheting bumps were on display here where I love it, where you hit him and he ducks down and then whips his body in an entirely different way, which is complete trademark Gordy, which more people need to do, by the way. Uh, but there's another match in 87 like this one. And you know what it is? What am I missing? Black Bart.
0: Oh, yeah, there's a good match. That's a juicy
1: match, but I would assume this is on here because people knew that Killer Con could win. Where the bloodbath of Black Bart, (laughs) you knew Black Bart was not going to win that match in UWF toward the end. (laughs) But uh, that's a juicy match, and that's a really good match.
0: Yeah, I've got another Gordy on here. I've got a Gordy Williams Texas Death. Which was a match that was a Houston footage Ooh. Uh, discovery. I don't know if you've seen I've it. I've never uh, seen it. I'm
1: very excited. You
0: should you see that. You should watch it. There's a uh, if you look on uh, if you look on Hybrid Shoot, which is the publishing uh, yep. house that put my book out. The uh, Hybrid dot com. There is a Way of the Blade viewer guide that has mm-hmm. links to all of the matches in the book that have links, and if there are matches in the book that are not linked. Uh, for anybody who's listening to this, and people you want to see them, there's you know I got my DMs are open on Twitter. I can get 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 you stuff that isn't isn't on YouTube or Daily Motion or whatever. Doing I got it right, Bill,
1: on, and so. This is with the value, <laughs> Bill and Dean and Tom K and the whole gang at Death Valley Driver, who I always enjoyed so much. It's just like you guys and your enthusiasm for matches and your ability to know where the hell to find them. It's always <laughs> so fascinating. And I, I remember I talked to Will the other day about the Schneider comps. And I'm like, I made my own little comps of my own wrestling style that I like. But God dang, I remember me and Hero would watch Schneider comps religiously. Like, I, I just, I love the selection, even if it's not my thing usually. Like, you just had a good way of picking diverse enough stuff. Then I would get into that style of wrestling and start watching it. It's the first time I saw fucking Zubasa, for Christ's sake. But like,
0: yeah. I mean that's a, that's that's what this book is. I mean that's what the book kinda is, yeah. right? It is that sort of thing where I'm, you know, doing that the a curation is probably my most valuable skill as like a wrestling guy. Yeah. You know, I'm okay on podcast, the writing's fine, but I'm pretty good as a curator. I'm pretty good at finding the you know, the the things that are like this match I think is a pretty well known big match, but I also have a lot of things in this book that I think probably 99% of the people who even
1: listen to this podcast or even bought the book hadn't seen. Yeah, no, that's great. That, that's that's tailor-made for you with something like this, because like, you do have that eye where you'll be like, oh yeah, like Doc, and when you say Gordian and Doc Texas Death, I'm like, boy, well, I know they cross paths in Mid-South. I didn't know that match happened, so I'm going to have to check that out. That sound-
0: yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's really good. It was like that period you know, where they were building the UWF around big, heavy hitting football playing dudes, and uh, and this was like a yeah like a Houston Texas death match, a lot of blood, really good, and you know one of those things that wasn't didn't wasn't out there back during the heyday of our tape trading, you know days. This was something that showed up later when they released all that Houston for that glorious like eight month period where all that Houston stuff was coming. Oh, and out. I have it all, and,
1: and I'm not afraid to say it because here's the thing. That Houston stuff, and you're right, glorious. That Houston library was such a value to get all of that quality stuff looking like it does. I watched Mike the Biggin against like Gary Hart. Like I'll watch Houston. Houston's like a yeah. soft spot for me because I you know I was always around Dr. Tom and, and that whole San Antonio and Houston area. I just really enjoy it. I saw Dr. Tom and Dutch against the Fantastics. There's so much fun shit out of Houston, and Houston's such a great wrestling town. So, uh, you're right. Houston's just got so many bangers. That fucking... Release the Houston, Billy Corgan! Yes, that match that you... uh, (laughs) Not you. That match that I would rally the WWE... uh, The tournament, the UWF tournament where Gordy beat Coco, and then he beat Doc, and then he beat DiBiase, and then him and Duggan with the big gang angle at the end. That's a great freaking one-off show, but I'd love to have it all in its entirety. So, like corrigan wwe yeah. someone jump on it i think i talked to jim ross about this like get that when he was there but i like, get that like a uwf title tournament on the networks it's great but yeah i mean i don't yeah they uh i know that the houston
0: stuff is i mean i think i think it got my understanding is that the current nwa controls it but once thorpe sold it to to billy corrigan they never did anything with that footage Man. So it's all just you know, and, and he and they didn't transfer all of it. There was tons of it that are just untransferred. Stop and, you know So there's more yes. that hasn't been released that could be oh, there I, th- too? I think a t- I think a ton of it that hasn't been released. I'm that he, I think they probably released a you know, twenty percent oh of my it, maybe God, less you're hurting me. is my understanding. It's, of, so it's the kind of thing that'll bother me in the
1: shower just on a random Wednesday. <laughs> it's like oh fuck. Be like, God Simple damn it! Bitch. There's another one-man gang Bundy tag match. God, damn it. Yeah, still, Well, I mean,
0: you know, if you looked at like one of the matches in, this, in, in my book, I, in, in, this is a match I love. Is um, the Hector Guerrero Jose Lothario Texas Death Match, um, where 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 it starts out, where Chavo is uh, at ringside with Hector as a as a conciliatory act, trying to calm down this feud between Hector and Lothario because Lothario is an old Guerrero family friend. So he comes in and says, look, you know, I know there's some... You guys had some having some issues, but we need to work this out. And then it ends with Chavo uh, throwing the hot sauce, the Guerrero family hot sauce he brought to Paul Bosch as a gift in Lothario's eyes. Have you, you've seen this match, right? Have you not seen this match? I
1: haven't seen this match, so this is yet oh, another... It, this is yet another and a boon to you for having this <laughs> eye to find these things and explain them because hot sauce angle is incredible. As, as you're speaking, I just, in my brain, I'm saying they don't do wrestling like they used to. That's- <laughs> oh, it's so good because
0: uh, Hector uh, Chavo brings it to Bosch pre-match as a gift, <laughs> and then Bosch is just... The disgust and fury in his voice when Chavo throws the hot sauce oh in God. Lothario's eyes that was a gift from their mother. I mean it's just amazing, but they had then like a Chavo Lothario Texas Death Match, and like a tag like I ran the few past that point, man. And you, I mean, so just whatever, the next week of Houston, and there's no way that this guy had, they had this week taped and they didn't have next week taped. Yeah. So I'm sure it's sitting there. And, you know, I can sort of imagine with the setup of this being so amazing, what a Chavo uh, Lothario like payoff sure. Texas death match would have been like. It was incredible.
2: Man. So, you know,
1: like, see, I I there's so mo- far into the fabs against the Guerreros there, but like, because Curran's punches and Curran's wrestling, I, I love to go back and watch that, but like, yeah, that whole there's a whole blind spot for me in, in Houston there too. So I'm just seeking out. Yeah, well, you got homework
0: now. When we get off yeah, the thing, oh got, my God, yeah, again, I'm not going to watch late, Kurt, right, I'm not going
1: to watch much current wrestling. So I'll uh, I'll yeah, dip the I mean, toe into some Houston.
0: Yeah, what are you going to watch? you going to watch a what are you going to watch uh, a <laughs> Raw? No, no, The
1: fans are coming back, so I think I'm going to give everything another chance. I haven't watched Raw. In, since 2004 even when i worked there i don't think i watched it much but like what i'm saying <laughs> is I, I really gave up on it a long long time ago but i do think fans can help energize me and get me into something so once the fans are back everywhere i'll probably give everything like a two-week trial period like try to watch it again and then i'll probably just throw my hands in the air continue just to watch aew and that'll be it and you know i'll cry but because you know yeah. Phil, <laughs> you know how much i love shingo and abushi they're like my guys And it saddens me that they kept that match from happening for fifteen years to make it special, and it's now going to have happened twice in front of pandemic crowds. And I won't watch it because I don't. I need an audience to fulfill my happiness for a wrestling match. I just can't watch this no crowd shit, you know. So I'm like, I can cry about it. Yeah,
0: yeah. We talked. I talked a bit about this when when I did the pod with Tony Conner, which is like, you know, even if you have a couple of fans, but as long as you got to have some video screens. I mean, it just isn't the whatever that is. Yeah, it's just like yes, it's, it's not wrestling. Fans, right? Same thing if they don't like any of the cinematic matches for
1: the most part. Yeah, either, right? no, just I, like, oh, I don't know, just like the best one's the worst one. Like I just, <laughs> I just need a, a, an excited, and that's why all this old wrestling really speaks to me right now because I could even watch a Jerry Allen against Iron Mike match from the Boston Garden in '86, and at least I'll get with it because the people are with it, you know, and those crowds are yeah.
0: easily, you know, appreciating it. So. And this match, had a, this match had a pretty nuclear crowd.
1: Oh, my God. 84, I mean, you can 84 85, world, or 83, 84 world-class crowds are, like, almost peak crowds anyway.
0: I mean, the biggest pop was still Carrie taking his shirt off, but the rest of the pops are yes. pretty big, yeah. too. Well, they,
1: they, they had the louder pitch pop when Carrie uh, took the shirt off. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you even watch those old Cotton Bowl shows, you know, and those are just... It's just the loudest screeches you've ever heard in your life. So, yeah. It's-
0: yeah, I mean, it, even world-class when it got pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a point where world-class was pretty bad. 80, it was 87 87, yeah. which is terrible. Uh, but, you know, even then you'd still have people very enthusiastic about it. I mean, man, I've even watched some of those MLW, the, one of the, the MLW show they ran in Texas, uh, where they had uh, the pop the Marshall and Ross got. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and like, wow, it's like it's still, there's still some people who remember these guys Absolutely. many, many years later.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And it, it wasn't Marshall and Ross weren't necessarily getting those pops because of their uh, um, incandescent charisma. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 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 I would by buy... It's not really how I would describe those guys, but yeah, they're fine. Hey man, they're there are uh, a couple
1: of nice guys that just make Terry Daniels look like the rock, but it's all right. Fuck
0: <laughs> it. <laughs> um so this was we had this was the end of Freebird's Von Eric's for a while, right? I mean obviously they were always gonna bring it back. And I don't think the rerun of it was nearly as as impressive as the initial run. But this was kind of the end of
1: that, like, two-year thing where Von Eric's Freebirds was one, was the hottest program in the world. Sure. And then the only time they'd link back up is I think they actually had the only match where they all teamed together in a 12-man match where the Birds and the Von Erichs at Texas Stadium wrestled, like, doc and kamala and one man gang and a bunch of other bad guys on like a 12 man Gino and Chris and they had the car they smashed the chain that was like a whole thing so that was that and then I think they come back in either late 85 or early 86 after AWA when you have Lawrence talking about the devil has shown back up in reunion arena or whatever and they Michael Hayes shows up and then they they battle so yeah this is the end of it for that time you know and that's why that handshake was just so vital to.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a feud I think in, um, right eighty six. Sure. Yeah, they come 80, back. 85, and, 86, that's They Chris come back and There's a
1: great angle where uh, Michael Hayes holds little Chris on Eric, and and Buddy's got the chair, and he's ready to clock Chris with the chair, and I think. Mike hits the ring, so even that had big excitement. And I'm not saying Mike and Chris Bonner are the future of this business. They weren't. But what I'm saying is, you know, (laughs) there was still excitement over that family and that feud, even how many years later. Yeah,
0: I'm looking at Cage Match. It looks like the the at last, Kerry Gordy is. They ran. They were ran a few. Had a few in '88, uh, where they had multiple time limit draws. I don't know how a time limit draw. Kerry Gordy title withdrawal would, would have gone at '88. Yeah, that, uh, Gordy was
1: still. Yeah, that's con-
0: peak of his powers.
1: I actually, my second favorite year of world class, and people are gonna think I'm on crack when I say this. I love 1988. I love when Hayes comes back as a good guy. The Blackbird, Iceman, King Parsons, Angel of Death is back. Hayes don't trust him. Michael has a concert. He invites the Von Ericks. The Von Van and I Eric show up, but he's drunk. Buddy hits Michael with the guitar by accident. Gordy don't know where he stands on the whole thing. Gordy goes to Japan, shit hits the fan in stateside. To me, Michael Hayes was such an incredible booker, even if he only booked for like eight months or six months that year. What a wonderful story from week to week that is, because I read about it in the magazines, and then of course our good friend Will did a big old compilation of all the angles. And it's just stupendous. So yeah, that would probably be the last of the Gordy Von Eric matches, unfortunately, or Carry Von Eric matches at I least. Mean, so.
0: Yeah, and then we had Gordy had him another obviously run, in, you know the '90s run with Williams as a tag team after they had feuded uh, in in UWF that had a uh, obviously the Miracle Violence Connection, which was as a tag team they had some stuff I loved. They had some other stuff where you just wanted it to be a little better than it was. That's always kind of my Miracle Violence connection thought is like on like in my mind they're amazing, but it's like the matches are always slightly worse than you want them to be.
1: Well, Will Will and I I drove Will nuts because I went on record as saying that I thought that most of the Miracle Violence connections WCW stuff kind of sucked and wasn't with the Steiners because like. Watts had them going like 25 to 40 minutes in all the pay-per-views and it's ought like Dustin Rose and Barry Windham are two of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And you think against doc and Gordy, that's like the most miracle matchup you could possibly have in 1992. And both of those matches they had one on WCW Saturday night. And then one at the great American bash 92. I don't really, I like the Saturday night one better, but don't really go back to them that often just cause it's like it, you're right. The correct way of saying it is, it's just not what you expected out of that team, you know? So I agree.
0: You just want it to be a little better. I, I think one of the Steiners matches was it the one on Clash of the Champions, is
1: really, really Last good. Last one and is incredible. Little... Beach Blast was a 30 minute draw. So once again, it comes back to what I was saying. There's an Omni match where Scott hits Gordy with a Frankensteiner and Doc motherfucking behead scott on the fucking diving like masato tanaka style clothesline when scott's like kneeling and then gordy gets the clean win where they pick up then the double champions but that match has never been released in full but that's from summer uh 1992 but you're right like to me if all of those doc and gordy matches were a little more concise it would be better Even their squashes. They showed up on USWA TV in 1991. And I ran around the room screaming so excited that Gordy was back on US TV. They had a match with Steve Dane and Chris Germany. And it went like 15 fucking minutes. And I'm saying to myself, (laughs) why is Steve Dane and Chris Germany not just in an awesome four-minute squash against these two guys? These guys are the best. Like, what the hell? So it just seemed like it was always this this level of, of time in their matches that just drove me nuts. So I do agree with you on that. And they are one of my favorite teams, but I will say there's some uh, some points that I don't agree with on them. I mean, they definitely have some, there's definitely, that's like a house show period I would
0: love to get, like your 92 WCW house shows to see what, you know, what Gordy, like you said, that Omni match, what they, you know, they were doing two out of three falls against the Steiners a fair amount. Then they, you should imagine were really had to have been good, right? And, you know, but maybe not. Like, it's me, like, that's what I mean. I want to see what, like, your, your, uh, your, um, where they main event, like, you know, they main evented that show with where, the show where Simmons beats Vader for the title. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I mean, they know that's on tape. Sure. I think Simmons
1: versus Vader for the title on tape, well, I'm sure. Well, the biggest sad thing is they were developing one of the best angles that Watts ever did that never happened was when they put Michael Hayes with Eaton and Anderson, the three best teams of the 80s, all converged because they're going to take out Doc and Gordy. And who knows Gordy better than Hayes? It was fucking perfect. They never had a match, as far as I know. And then ultimately, Gordy leaves Doc and Gordy are supposed to wrestle the Steiners of Halloween Havoc. That doesn't fucking happen. And then a million other things go down. Steiners leave. Gordy leaves. Doc's left there with his thumb in his ass. And then that's it. So it's like.
0: Oh, they worked like ten to six house show matches against each other. Who? Eating hard? Gordy Williams gets eaten hard. Yeah. Oh,
1: <laughs> girl, We got to find them. Oh, that's incredible. I thought for yeah. sure that never happened. Ooh, that's
0: yeah, uh, uh, the uh, you know you, know, they got uh, worked in Charleston, West Virginia, Raleigh, North Carolina, Roanoke, Baltimore, the Civic Center in Philly. Why were you at that show? I am <laughs> so fucking. <laughs> Nineteen ninety-two. Where the fuck? I was it, in
1: California <laughs> in San Jose visiting relatives, and I missed them in Philadelphia. Oh my god, I'm so sad, and, sad uh, right they now. They worked
0: at Omni. There was an Omni, so I you
1: know <laughs> it's I, I'm sure it's there, man. That okay. Well, now I'm on a mission. I'm gonna hit up somebody.
0: <laughs> we gotta you can't call somebody because I'm looking at this Omni show. Yeah, got, we gotta know, find listen it. Listen to this. Look at this Omni card. It's got all kinds of matches, which may not be that good, but I kind of want to see. Listen to this card. So you're Eric Watts against Mark Canterbury. Okay, okay, that's fine. Brad Armstrong, Armstrong and uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell against Brian Pillman, Scotty That All right, that hell be yeah. Dustin DDP. All right. Yeah. Maybe. I'm a Dustin guy, uh, obviously. Listen to this match. Steiner Brothers against Dick Slater and Greg Valentine.
1: I'm not against that one either.
0: No. That's that's very intriguing. Uh, Barbarian Barry Window. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nikita and Sting against Jake Roberts uh, and Super Invader. That's wacky, but I'll take it. (laughs) might be good like uh i kind of like nikita i think nikita was really good in yeah i agree uh and and then uh williams gordy Art anderson eaton and then uh ron simmons rick Rude, in your main event
1: damn man we got to find that one yeah that sounds like yeah i don't know if you got people you can talk to jesus i I have at least one
0: we'll see what we can do or or baltimore this is a baltimore hold on a second (laughs) Uh, this is this is what this turns into sometimes uh (laughs) Also, Watts Canterbury, that legendary yeah. feud. Van Hammer, DDP, Barry Wood and Barbarian against Steiner, Slater, Valentine. That was apparently a feud. I don't remember that. But oh. uh, Ricky Steamboat, Super Invader for the television title. I don't know. I'm not sure. Dustin Rhodes, Vinny Vegas. So you're Dustin, Kevin Nash. Uh, Nikita and Sting against Jake Robertson Rude, And then Ron Simmons, Steve Austin for the world title.
1: Another tricky fun show. And it even has the yeah. Hercules Hernandez Ricky Steamboat WrestleMania two rematch on there. Alright. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. So Man. um
0: So that's your uh, um so yeah, so that that, that, that isn't a, I remember that, vaguely remember that whole thing with uh I, the I definitely the three best tag teams of the eighties coming together with with Hayes' I mean it's crazy that Hayes
1: was already just the manager at that Yeah. Point. Like I said. Because I remember they were walking you know. down the ring at that taping where Simmons beat Vader. And they had that old Arne Anderson music. And then Michael Hayes was doing his little, he would take these goose, like not goose steps. He'd take these little pelican steps and then do this thing with his hand. And he's walking in this white suit all the way down the aisle. And he's walking with those guys. And I'm like, wow, this is going to be really cool. And they cut all these promos. And that shit just never happened. But like Gordy against Arn, Gordy against Bobby Eaton in 1992, come on. I would love to have seen it. And if, I mean, if, so when,
0: when Eaton, I think Hayes was born in 59. So in 92, he would have been. 33 yeah so he would he'd be younger than almost everybody in NXT right now (laughs) (laughs) like significantly younger than almost everybody in the WWE developmental league and at that point was just a manager
1: yeah absolutely aged out of wrestling man unbelievable (laughs) six years
0: younger than Kyle (laughs) Kyle (laughs) O'Reilly
1: but yeah he'd be a young man that's crazy he'd be seven years Uh, younger than current age or eight years younger than current AJ Styles it's just wild unbelievable
0: yeah and, and you know just but I, I think AJ Styles is the guy, who's, the guy who eats well and, yeah, and he yeah. works out he and lives a clean life it unbelievable well, there it's it. not it's not the uh, it's not the eight ball and whiskey fried chicken diet which I'm sure Michael Hayes is on the entire uh, <laughs> 80s AJ
1: Styles didn't look up to the California hippie Mike boy yet. that's the difference I guess yes. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but yeah so, so that was sort of in, in what in Killer Con why you know I, mean, I mean, he's a guy who does I don't seem
1: to remember any nineties Killer Khan. No,
2: what he was just kind of Con- went I'm,
1: away, man. Like I think he just quietly stopped wrestling at some point. You know, I'm doing
0: the cage match church of Killer Khan at this point. Yeah. yeah, it looks like the last match, the last match, the cage match lists for Killer Khan is in is in the eighty seven uh, WWF House Show against Don morocco. Wow. So I guess
1: his career ended in the WWF. I didn't I, I didn't, didn't realize know that either cuz I had a friend who went to his restaurant in Japan a couple of years back so like he's still around but like wow, maybe figure there. if he was
0: if he was in Japan he might have you know there's so
1: many like micro Indeed. indies yeah. He never worked. He never worked like Tarzan Godo's fat or anything like that. Yeah, that's he's one of these guys like Bad News Brown that when they left WWF you just don't know exactly what happened with them. Like I know Bad News did some UWFI so it's like okay cool. He did some stuff up in Canada, but a lot of it just don't see or know about. so Killer, Killer Khan
0: apparently ended his career as at a, uh, uh, a Pontiac, of Michigan
1: house show against Don Morocco. Well, I'm I'm watching these prime times, Phil, and Bam Bam Bigelow pinned Killer Khan on a primetime wrestling in late '88. So
0: there yeah. you
1: go. I'm looking at I'm trying to get
0: Khan. Let me see what Khan's run is. Well, I would not going, Wouldn't it have been '88. I mean, I mean, he's done in 87. Oh, then 87. Well, Last match was in, it might have been, yeah, uh, I'm been looking at, it would have been 87, yeah. So his WWF one wasn't very long. So, I mean, he was in there from from uh, April 87 uh, to November 87, and that was it.
1: Seemed like we're longer. So he, but that, that's a lot of wrestling, I guess, when you're a kid.
0: Yeah, see, right? No, exactly. That's the thing. It's like now it just seems like you know re- years go by. Um, but I guess he'd been wrestling for. I mean, he, he started in '71, so he you know started was a JWA guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to start, and then was apparently the idea was Carl Gotch gave him the Killer Khan gimmick. Thank you, Carl Gotch. Um, you appreciate it, Killer Khan. He was Masashi Ozawa in new japan and uh and uh jwa for a long time Mm. but a guy yeah like an interesting guy who, who didn't have the you know was was done relatively not far after this was over right so didn't have a long run after this match five years uh you know some awesome fun all japan stuff but was uh was pretty much done Uh, soon after this he was Kamala S in the
1: United States in a way because basically he'd show up he'd break Andre's leg, he'd be with Blassie he'd get that big run he'd leave, okay fuck it I'm going to pop up in Texas, Texas is the hottest place to be, wrestle Gordy fight with the birds, okay I'm gone now, oh hey look there's Hulk Hogan, he's on his big run in 1987, you know I'm going to come and throw green fog on him there you go, so there's another one yeah he had some
0: of wwe looks like you know looking through this he had wwf run in the early 80s where he had he had a backland match and a couple backland matches yep,
1: big andre broken um, leg
0: thing big big andre broken leg feud um and uh and then obviously that amazing andre match in japan yep which is i think the your this and uh this and that were like your 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 killer con highlights
1: yeah, I gotta find like his matches odd. with Hanson. I think he had a couple opposite stands, so they'd probably be pretty fucking fun too. Yeah, he is a he's a really
0: expressive wrestler.
1: Yeah, and it's like the big that was chops, one of the things that was... I mean, you're you're completely accurate. Like the big chop, I can't name you five moves he does, but like everything he does looks great. He's got that big, loud, boisterous you know voice, and then he just attacks you and bites you and chops you really hard and hits the big. Side slam onto the knee and hits the big knee drop. That's all you need. All. Yeah, and then and, and, and some
0: chewing. Yeah, <laughs> which is really what uh what was the the sort of almost the biggest high spot in this match.
1: Yeah, and they gave them kapoo- was... the kabuki mist in WWF, and they called it fog. Yeah, there you go. Now, they, if you're a Japanese guy in America, at some point you got missed. Yeah, or That's as of referred Refer to it when I was a kid, sputum, <laughs> which I think the worst <laughs> word you can call it, but. You know. <laughs>
0: I look it up. Your Con Hanson. Uh, they did. They had some. They had some eighty-one New Japan stuff. Uh, they had some stuff in New Japan in eighty-one. They had some stuff in all Japan um, tags mostly in eighty-five and eighty-six. One singles match. Yeah. And then listen to this: two matches uh, in in
1: Georgia in eighty.
0: Hanson and Cod.
1: Whoa. Uh, Zellner was like one or two at the time, so he missed it. Yeah, were... including,
0: including an Omni. Man. Uh, they worked at Omni. So, again, probably uh, on tape in your, uh, in your thing. You got a, <laughs> underneath Harley Race, Dick Slater for the NWA World WWE title <laughs> and a Texas bull rope match between Ole Anderson and your... Uh, and your adopted godfather, Uvalde Slim.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you what, Phil. If there's ever a heist in Stanford Connecticut's library and all the Omni tapes are missing, we're <laughs> fucked. I'm just letting you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely going to get. They're definitely. The FBI is definitely coming to our door. <laughs> sure, it's all right. It's probably worth it. If we get see Oli against Uvalde Slim, yeah, right. <laughs> um,
1: do you have a? Do you have any? Do you have any Uvalde uh, Slim stories? I have none. I just remember. When Terry Funk came to visit, Terry Funk and Dusty got into a, like a, a, a joke, joking argument about whether Uvaldi Slim, Midnight Rider, or Dr. Knows It All was the best uh, guy who came back with a mask. So that was amusing to me. But <laughs> who was the with, third one? Dr. Who? Dr. Knows It All, I think, was Terry Funk's in the Amarillo Territory when he left town and he came back. He was Dr. Knows It All. <laughs> so I think... I've not, James, never heard uh, that. Charlie That's amazing. Is... uh. Is the nephew of Doctor Nose-It-All. so that's the whole thing. Doctor
0: nose yeah. right? I don't. Why do you know? Do you know why he was involved in Slim in the eighties rather than the Midnight Rider? Was that what was the? Why did he? Why did Dusty have multiple? I've lost a loser Leafs town match, but I'm coming back with obviously me under a mask
1: gimmick. I haven't the fucking slightest. I just think that he just tried to be creative and come <laughs> up with new shit. That would be the only thing I could really think of because it's like. You know, they, it's even like Miss Atlanta Lively and and everybody else, you know. It's just like these gimmicks. You, you never know where they're going to come and what what the hell is going to happen with it. But, yeah, he was Uvaldi Slim. Cause there'd be fans that would send dusty fan mail in the Tampa office, and there'd be pictures of him with that golden red mask, like, and standing with, like, Jerry <laughs> Briscoe. Hey, could we get Jerry and you to sign this or whatever? So, yeah, this, Uvaldi Slim was the one. He was the persona I am least familiar with, but he did exist. <laughs> I don't know how much Uvalde Slim is on tape obviously Midnight Rider was the later
0: the later gimmick. That's the one. Did you uh were you at the ROH show where
1: they brought in Midnight Rider? I was there, yeah. We were standing next yeah. to each other if I'm not mistaken okay. because Midnight Rider came out and then he came out somewhere else. Yeah, I was I was there for that. one. Jack Victory was, was awesome in it, if I'm not mistaken. Oh god, Jack
0: Victory is so good that match. Was Midnight Midnight Rider was was that Low Life Louie
1: under the Midnight Rider mask? I think it may have been Speaking. Low Life Louie Ramos. I mean, I I
0: I'll have to consult
1: a friend about that. But, uh, yeah. The
0: legendary Little Life. Are you, is your friend Little Life Louie Ramos? No,
1: but I have a friend who's very good <laughs> friends with Little Life Louie Ramos, so I know that I can go through him, and I can talk to Homicide also. There's another person who's on Buddies with who could probably give me the answer to that okay. one. Because,
0: um, uh, yeah, I was... Uh, I, that match was... that match, uh, oh, I Again, a bit of an aside, but that match, one of my all-time favorite ROH matches, your group versus uh, hop versus like doghouse uh, thing where you just had 15 fights going on in the audience, uh, and all these random, like, Jersey All Pro guys who weren't in ROH just fighting in the audience, and in amazing, uh, uh, devil's son in law, Julius Smokes, uh, was incredible in that. Becky Bayless, they brought in, uh, Iceberg and David Young, yeah, yeah, uh. And I remember you just like, it was one of those things where like that was one of those matches where you, there could be five completely different camera views of it. That would all be awesome. Right? Like there's whatever the, the version of it that they aired on the videotape, but there's alternative camera angles that would focus on different guys fighting a different part of the arena that would also be great. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, if they, they're focusing on Jack victory homicide off of the other side, uh, iceberg and David Young are fighting or, or, um, Becky Bayless' catfighting with Allison Painter. Or the Dirty Rotten
1: Scoundrels are taking elbows somewhere. Like, I remember that one was. People were (laughs) following it all over that Murphy Rec Center because that was, unfortunately, the same show where you viciously accused me of starting the... Uh, the go what, what's that chant with London and Daniel the dueling chants yeah. you and Tom started it <laughs> we did you guys are responsible for dueling chants uh, it's such a farce you were going let's go were you going let's go
0: London he was going let's go
1: Dragon. oh man you know it was I was certainly a Paul London guy so I probably was chanting let's go London <laughs> I admit to that much <laughs> that's right shit
0: I gotta remember that. That was such that was so that was such a good show. And you guys uh, you guys put like like poured the poison uh, in the ear yeah, of professional it,
1: wrestling. Yes, April 12, thousand three <laughs> was when Tom Kay and Rob Naylor invented the dueling jazz. <laughs> yes. Carson, uh, that's gotta be what we end this
0: on, right? I mean your legacy in wrestling. Oh, man, the dueling a, chance. What a piece of um, shit I am.
1: What a terrible thing. <laughs> Do you have anything that you uh, want to plug? Man? Oh man, I got nothing. I do a podcast with uh, with Chris Zellner, cover to cover. We talk about wrestling magazines. I'm eventually going to have a Patreon because I've been putting together these little uh, do- mini documentaries of different stuff in wrestling, like my favorite heel turns and different shit like that. But I didn't even plug that because I might get lazy and not do it. But I will say this has been amazing, Phil. It's been way too long, and I think this is That's a been podcast. Too long. Uh, glory right here with me and you because it's just like catching up like it was yesterday
0: that is it was great Ron, i appreciate you uh having you on i my plan is to do a hundred of these because I got hundred matches in the book, so I don't have a hundred friends who I can do podcasts with. So there is a chance that I'm going to be calling calling on you again. I would love it. I would love it to, uh, to, I love it. Just to do another this, chance to
1: shoot the shit about a million other things aside from the matches, but also ready, the match. to occasionally talk about a wrestling match. <laughs> where instead we talk
0: about Uvalde Slim and watching going to uh, going to. Uh, um, drugstores when we're kids and, and, uh,
1: <laughs> exactly that, you, you knew it was coming anyway when I came on
0: <laughs> everybody uh, please go buy the book if you have not bought the book yet um, it's available on Amazon uh, it's really cool I, we, one of the things we talked about with these wrestling magazines and I think that Chris Bryan who's the artist who's worked on these has done like a really good job of his own kind of version of your wrestling magazine yeah. cover Kind of thing with uh, with the pictures in this. So the art is great, the writing is fun. Um, so if you're listening to this and haven't picked up the book, please pick up the book. And uh, Rob, it's always a pleasure. We will talk soon. All right, phone. thank
1: you so much. Take it easy.